Welcome into a new Buff Stampede radio. Adam Munster Tiger, the publisher of buffstampede.com, joined again by football analyst William Gardner. And we are continuing with the Top Buffs countdown. William, I got to say, as I was prepping for this show, uh, I started to get pretty excited about the upcoming season. This is, this is going to be fun counting down uh, who we perceive to be the top 20 guys on the 2023 Colorado football roster. Yeah, I think it's going to be, it's a lot more fun than previous years. I, I think the last couple of years, honestly, sometimes I had a hard time getting the top 20 uh, of guys that I thought was, you know, legitimately should be top 20. Yeah, no doubt. So since our last show, I, I took a trip out to Las Vegas for Pac-12 Media Day. That was, that was a good event, uh, but obviously Coach Prime was not out there. Charles Kelly filled in for him, did admirably well in that role. It, it does start to feel like now with Media Day uh, in the books that, gosh, we're getting we're getting pretty close to this season kicking off. Yeah, and I think uh... – you know, you start start to see those things happening, and and I and you see them like they were doing maxes in the weight room, and that's another sign that you're getting close to the start of things, and um, they're probably ratcheting up the intensity, or maybe they're kind of warm, ratcheting it down a little bit. I don't know, but uh, it's getting close. It's I was just saying, it's almost August. Well, it's funny coming back from Las Vegas. I was expecting. Uh cool weather and and i come back to colorado and it's about as hot as it was out there in vegas so this has been uh unquestionably uh a bad weather year for colorado and i think it's funny that you know coach prime and and all the the coaches he brought out with him to colorado those guys don't really understand that this is not usually uh colorado weather you know this is pretty abnormal for us yeah i mean i think the heat and the the, it's the heat's not unusual for the summer but uh i was saying the the other day can't believe people were whining about the rain just a couple months ago or a month ago. Yeah. All right. Well, enough with the weather talk. Let's jump back into the top buffs countdown. We are up to number 20 and this is where safety Cameron Silman Craig comes in really that, that proverbial chip on the shoulder type of player. You, he was overlooked as a high school recruits. William, there were 387 prospects in Texas ranked higher in the 2021 class. So he goes to Jackson state and played uh, 25 games as an underclassman, 111 tackles and, and comes out to Boulder and, and earns his number with, with CU. Yeah. And I guess he's overlooked by me too, since I was the only one that didn't have him ranked um, in, in the rankings. But then we talked a little bit about that in our last show about how many safeties there are and everybody's going to have their preferences as to uh, who belongs in the top 20 and who doesn't. I guess my thing with, 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 Silmon Craig is that he's not that big and, um, you know, he comes from a lower level of football and uh, I don't know that he stood out necessarily to me in spring enough to rank as high as you guys did, but I guess I'd be curious, you, you and you and Brian both had him 10, had 10 and nine, so much higher uh, than I did. Um, and I guess I wonder what, what made you have him stand out more so than some of the other safety prospects. Yeah, well, he was one of, 10 players that are uh, back this summer that did earn their number this spring. So it was a pretty small number of guys that actually earned their number this spring. Uh, The fact that he has history with coach prime and and coach Mathis and coach Hart and some of those guys uh, sometimes when I'm kind of picking between guys on this countdown, I'm going to go with the guy that has some history with those guys. Uh, And just also what he brought to the mix as a vocal leader uh, you know, Shiloh has has become a leader in that safeties room as well. But it was really Cameron Silman Craig that was the catalyst for that group during spring ball. You know, Trevor Woods is 
we'll talk more about him, but you know, he's not as vocal a guy as Cameron Silman Craig. So he, he brings a lot to the table. You're right. He's probably not that prototypical NFL size for safety. So you do worry maybe about his durability, but uh, I think he's going to be on the field quite a bit for the Buffaloes. Yeah, I think he'll play quite a bit. I think some of the others might be end up being better better suited for this level of football. It's hard to say. You mentioned the number thing from spring, which leads me to wonder, how serious do you think that was in terms of seriously evaluating players, or was it just a gimmick or, or just a motivating tool? I think it it mattered, but it was up to each position coach in terms of how they wanted to kind of have criteria for picking guys that would earn a number. So there wasn't maybe consistency in terms of like linebackers. There was three guys that got a number and other positions where th- there weren't as many, you know, quarterback, they didn't give out any numbers in, in the spring. So, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I think it was fun, though, because it was something, at least from a media standpoint and, and for the fans out there to just kind of track and. I think during spring ball and in preseason camp, one of the things you want to find out is who's standing out among the team. And when you have guys that are earning their number during spring ball, that's a pretty clear indicator what the coaches think. So I, I liked it. Uh, now, you couldn't really do that going into camp because there's all kinds of media responsibilities and, and stuff that you have to record. Uh you know, B-roll stuff for football games this fall. So you've got to kind of award the numbers. But we've seen you know, the numbers that have been awarded here this week, that's kind of based off what they've done in the summer strength and conditioning program. So uh, I, I think it has some merit. Does that well, answer I, your question? Yeah, uh, I, I guess I see it. I see it a different way. I look at it. I think that uh, they, the the new coaching staff was trying to establish a new um, mindset, a new, um, uh, what's the word we always use? Um, culture? Culture here of, of hard work and working hard. And I always felt like that the number thing was about who worked hardest, not necessarily who, like people took it, oh, this guy got his number, he's going to be a starter, where I took it to mean like, uh, well, he's working as hard as he possibly can. Um, you know, Charlie offered all. Do we think he's going to be a starting running back? No, I don't. But I think uh, that he, he showed the team. Um, the kind of work ethic and, and dedication that Coach Prime is looking for. So I think I looked at some of those guys and thought they don't. It doesn't necessarily mean that the coaches think they're a starter or a great player, but they have that work ethic and they're one of those guys that that makes the team better with their with with that and, and leadership. I guess so. I don't know. I mean, you know, I know like a Louis Passarello, and there's an inside linebacker that got it who didn't stick stick around. So yeah, I guess- yeah, Isaac Hurtado. That that was clearly an example of what you're saying, a guy that it was more based off his work ethic than the fact that he's going to be an impact guy. Cause yeah, he was, uh, I think he's still at CU as a student though. So he's going to take advantage of that rule where you can, you can still earn your degree. Uh, but I, I think some of most of the other positions, at least, uh, you know, as far as safety goes, I, I did think Cameron Silman Craig earned his number from actual performance this spring. Yeah. But that, yeah. I, so, you know, I just, yeah, I just think I, I I just want to. I mean, I guess we'll see pretty quick in practice. He's going up against some pretty amazing receivers, um, and I guess that's one of the things that will we'll develop as we go through this top twenty. How many receivers are in it? Um, so we'll find out whether he can compete against those guys before we ever get into a game. That's yeah. At least, yeah. I, I just worry about his size. It's just not very big. Let's stick with safety talk here as we go to number nineteen, and this is where Shiloh Sanders comes in. He's the the highest of five safeties on this year's countdown. Or I guess you, if you want to include Jacquez Robinson as a safety, then he would be the second highest of six safeties. But uh, 
I thought I thought safety was the toughest position to rank guys, William. It, it's just hard to know exactly who's going to be starting in that group. But um, I think Shiloh is likely to be one of them. Well, and they, and they really upgraded that room. They brought in so many different guys. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm looking at the, you know, our, our position listing here. And, and uh, they're, they're just so many different guys that, that they brought into that, to that room. And, and, you know, only a certain number of them can play. And uh, I think Shiloh, I don't know. I, I, I he, he's another one. I wonder if how much his name impacts what we think of him as a player and, and, and I'm, and I'm including myself in that. Maybe I'm giving him more credit than he deserves uh, because of his last name, but he's, he's got closer to that safety size, you know, six foot one ninety, and uh, certainly got the athleticism. And, you know, as I said to somebody else about Shadur Sanders, I mean, a kid grew up being inoculated with defensive back philosophy and understanding. So he should know the game. He certainly got the athleticism, um, you know, again, hasn't proven it yet at, at, at uh, this level, but was a much higher rated recruit coming out of, out of high school. So I, I think I, I like him better than um, Cameron Selman Craig uh, for that position. But we're going to see how it plays out. Yeah, I had Shiloh just slightly above Cameron Selman Craig on there. He did play power five football before 13 games at South Carolina before he transferred to Jackson State. So. Uh, you like the fact that he does have that that power five experience, and he was one of the top defensive players in the SWAC conference as a third year sophomore. But last year just couldn't make a big impact because he was coming back from a torn ACL. He really beat most people's timetable to come back from a torn ACL. He suffered that um, in the spring and was back playing games in the fall. Not, not at that level that he was prior to the knee injury, but you know he's had plenty of time to work off the rust now. Uh, wasn't able to go through spring practices at CU though. Uh, he was having to finish up his coursework at Jackson State. So, but you, you saw it, William, when Shiloh got into the program, he was immediately a leader. He was a, a guy that was, you know, very vocal in a lot of the, the teamwork this summer. Um, and did you happen to see the uh, video that Shiloh did where he got his uniform and his new helmet for preseason camp? Well, yeah, a little bit, yeah. There's a cool cool technology that they have now where they're going to be able to track uh, each player in terms of where they're hitting. And so if they're, uh, you know, they're they're leading with their head, it's going to show up. And so it's going to teach these guys throughout camp to to play a, a healthier brand of football, I, I would think. But it's kind of cool how technology has come along to, to try to make these guys safer out there. Wow. Well, yeah, and that, that's interesting. I mean, I, you know, the technological advancements there. I, I, I I watched the videos and they wear those. I can't remember what the word is. There's a little vest that some of them wear, and I'm sure it's a GPS tracker for speed tracking and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, the catapult. Yeah. 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 And the technologies that they have now to, to track every little thing is, is nuts, you know? And yeah. so certainly head, head, uh, closed head injuries is, is, uh, uh, critical to the future of the, of the sport, you know? I think so. That's that's interesting to watch all that. But um, yeah, I, I love the summer leaderboards because there's nothing that motivates guys more than, you know, having a firm number that they're trying to achieve and being able to compare themselves to, to yeah. all, all their teammates. Well, and I think uh, when you bring together that, that's one of the differences in this group of players than, than last year and the last coaching staff is that 
you notice that everything they do is competition. They're competitive with each other. You got to beat this guy. You got to beat that guy. You're doing tug of war. You're doing things where every single thing is a competitive thing. And each one, they brought in a bunch of guys who all want to be the alpha dog. You know, they all want to be the one running in the front of the pack and they're going to be one of them. So they have to fight for it. And that makes everybody work harder. And I think that's been missing in this program for some time. And I think Shiloh Sanders is certainly one of those. You mentioned his leadership, but Certainly that comes from his dad, right? You know, I mean, you didn't grow up in that family to be the the, the, the beta dog. That That's just not who, who that family is. Yeah. It's funny. Shiloh Sanders is set to wear number 21 for the Buffaloes. In the hallway that leads out to Folsom Field, there's that showcase with the, the, the different uniforms. And yeah. the Stormtrooper mannequin wears 21 and looks exactly like Shiloh Sanders. So he's had some fun with that. I, I think uh, maybe in in October, as we get close to Halloween, he can, he can uh, you know, hide in there and, and scare some of his teammates. Yeah, right. Hey, where, where did Travis J wind up in this ranking or did he wind up in our? Yeah, he, he already came in and, and that's actually something that I was going to bring up as we get a little bit deeper into this countdown, because if I could redo where I had Travis J, I think I'd have him a little bit higher based on some of the stuff we've seen coming out yeah. this summer with him. Um, I'm, I'm looking it up now. He was, uh, yeah, he was pretty low on the list. But if, I, was, I, I was looking at that too, and I was looking at his size and, and what he did at Florida State, and I'm just, and I was like, hmm, wonder why we all had him so much lower than we did. I think he's a guy that's going to make a difference. Yeah, no doubt. I'm pulling it up now. He was ranked 33rd. So yeah, I think if I could go back and redo it, I had him ranked 35th on my list. So I'm partly to blame for him to be being that low. You had him at 22, William. So you were the highest on Travis J. Uh, We did this voting, what, about a month ago? So um, before we've seen all the testing numbers from this summer. So uh, he, it's going to be interesting to see, are they going to rotate those safeties quite a bit? Or it, our injury is going to dictate how this plays out. It, it's or, impossible to know at this point, but man, that group is so loaded with talent. Right. And I think, you know, we're going to talk about all, I mean, so, you know, I've never, again, going back to previous years, we've never gone back to other guys in the ranking before and talked about them again, but I think we're going to talk about these safeties over and over. And I, I think Travis Jay is one of those guys that's got that prototype NFL size and, and did some things at, at a big time top level power five school. So I, I think he, you know, to some extent, we're 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 just kind of guessing on these yeah. safety. I think is it fair to say that? I think that there, you know, there's so many of them, and they're all so good. Um, you know, I'm I'm looking at the yeah. Uh, William, William Vito Tisdale could come in and, and be a starter. That that's how up in the right. air that that position is. There, there's yeah. Right. Uh, Miles yeah, Slusher. It's hard to say exactly. Is he going to play nickelback? Jacquez Robinson. Is he going to play safety or nickelback? So, yeah, there's more questions there, but right. uh, it's and not I'm, questions that that give you anxiety as a CU fan. Right. They're they're questions that make you really excited. Right, because I mean, you know, Vito Tisdale. I'm not even sure if he made our top forty, but he's a guy. Any other year would have been our top safety. So it's very exciting to have all these guys in there. You know, Miles Slusher. We talked about. I think already and. Uh, Roderick Ward and so it, it, it really they really did you know they rebuilt the safety room in the way I was hoping they would rebuild the defensive tackles room yeah so and their position coach Charles Kelly who was named the recruiter of the year last recruiting cycle now he did it at Alabama we know that it's uh, easier to recruit guys to to Tuscaloosa these days right. but 
it, it does show you that he is an elite recruiter. And so right. I think that safety's room is going to continue to be stocked as long as Charles Kelly is in Boulder. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But yeah, I mean, going back to Travis J, he played 16 games at Florida State and he's 33rd on our list. That's right. that, that's that, nuts. Yeah. So uh, he's, he's 6'2, 205. I mean, he looks like an NFL safety too. So yeah. it just goes to show you what what the rebuilding of this team has looked like. Today's episode is brought to us by Macaulay Capital Fractional CFO Services. Is your business looking for financial guidance and support, but not yet big enough to hire a full-time CFO? Well, we have a solution for you. Hiring a fractional CFO who can work with your business on a part-time basis. You get the benefit of having a seasoned financial expert on your team without the commitment or expense of a full-time hire. And here's the best part. It's likely that a partnership with Macaulay Capital will be a win-win situation, meaning that your business will make more money from the guidance of a fractional CFO than the total cost of partnering with us. For more information or to set up a meeting, please visit MacaulayCapital.com. That's M-C-C-A-U-L-E-Y Capital.com. Sticking in the secondary at number 18 is cornerback Cormani McLean. Tough player to rank, William. I went with yeah. the optimistic side. I put him at 13th on my list. He's described as a new age cornerback. You know, he's got the the size, the length, the speed. The the one thing he just has to get down is uh the conditioning at altitude. Yeah. And and I think, you know, we did this. So I did full disclosure here, I'm the guy that ranked him 30th. And I don't feel bad about it. Um, and you guys had him at, at uh, 13 and 16, um, respectively, which I think where most of the people on the board would probably have him. I, I Frankly, the board would probably have him a little higher, and I don't think that's deserved either. But he's a freshman, man. I don't care how high he's ranked as, as a recruit. We don't know, and we've seen it here in Boulder, man. You know, the, the superstar can't miss, guy can't miss. And I think we did this ranking shortly after his first day on the field, you know, when I think he puked seven times, I think there, there was even an article about that the other day about how rough the workouts are. And I'm like, man, not the rough workouts. Aren't that crazy? It was his first day at altitude. And I'm not knocking him for that at all, but I just have a hard time picturing a guy in one month, one month, maybe two going from a guy puking seven times on his first workout to a guy being one of the top players in a Pac-12 team. And maybe he will, maybe he won't. And again, you know, we talk about this all the time. If we re-rank this at the end of the season, it's going to look a lot different. Maybe he'll be one of those guys that's clearly in the top five. Uh, But I don't have any evidence of that. And the fact that he's ranked highly and highly recruited coming out of high school means something, but it doesn't mean as much as it does to other people, apparently. Okay, that's fair. I, I like I let off here. I think this. I, I talked about safety being a tough position to rank guys. I think Cormani McLean, for some of the reasons you laid out, it, it's challenging. I don't know. I just he's got it, man. He, like he's going to be lost at times, and yeah, yeah, we saw him throw up. And there's going to be an adjustment. Uh, like you said, he's a true freshman, but man, he is. He's got he's got the skills. He's he's thin. But he's not afraid to play physical. He's got the length. His ball skills as a cornerback. I mean, I, I don't know if I've seen a, a cornerback recruit, maybe Travis Hunter, that that has those type of ball skills. I mean, yeah. they finally started throwing away from him his senior year, but his sophomore and junior year of high school, he was just picking off passes left and right. And uh, I don't know. I, I 
I am going to, again, err on the side of optimism with Cormani McLean in his first year, but I, I can see the other side of it. Yeah. And then, you know, our, our next guy coming up, I ranked him where you ranked McLean. And because for exactly what I'm talking about, I guess we could. Yeah, maybe we'll get to more. him. But I mean, we got to spend just a, another minute on McLean because okay. this is a big deal. I mean, he's the number one cornerback in the country. Travis Hunter was the number one ranked cornerback the prior year. If you have those two guys in William, just play along with me that Cormani McLean is going to be what I expect him to be. Uh, if you have both of those guys and they're able to play primarily press man, what does that do in terms of taking pressure off the other players on CU's defense? Well, anybody remember 2016? I mean, there yeah. it is right there, yeah. right? Two first round draft picks or top round draft picks at, at those positions. And uh, it changed. And that's the last time CU time. had a, a double digit sack total guy in Jimmy Gilbert. Right. Right, because you slow them down, you know, like you. The difference between uh, ten pressures and ten sacks is 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 a eighth of a second sometimes, you know. Um, and if you hold up that guy, if you if you if you cover that guy just close enough to make that quarterback hesitate for half a second, it's sack. And so it just changes everything, but it also changes also your play calling as a defensive coordinator and and what you do going in. Um, and and. I don't know, just to sort of segue off that, aren't we having a secret of, or a, a, a top, one of the top cornerbacks for this year's class coming back to Boulder again on his own? So maybe we will do it again. Yeah, we'll see. The Charles Lester is going to be announcing here. So some folks might be listening uh, after he's already made that announcement between Colorado and Florida State. But yeah, I know. Cornerback uh, recruiting uh, is is going pretty well in terms of uh, what we've seen take place since Coach Prime got hired, and that was yeah. that was expected. <laughs> and safeties, we just said that too. Yep. So, yeah, uh, pretty exciting uh, times in the defensive backfield. And now we want to see it applied to the to the big boys. And sticking with that, you kind of tease this at number seventeen is Jacquez Robinson. You mentioned it already. You had him highest on your list at fourteen. I had him at 21, Brian at 22, so pretty consistently high across the board. This is a, a supremely confident, versatile defensive back, 6'2", 205 pounds, played primarily as a cornerback at Alabama, but he's actually listed as a safety on Colorado's summer roster. So uh, I don't know, it, do you see him being the top candidate maybe as a nickelback? Maybe something like that. I think he's got so many, he, he brings so many different options to the table. He's got that NFL size and ability and he played on the field for the best program in the country. So to me, he's proven it where our Kamani McLean hasn't. So, yeah, sure. you know, it, it's just one of those situations where, you know, Hey, maybe 10 years from now, we're watching both of these guys in the NFL and that'd be fantastic for CU. But right now one of them has proven something and the other one has not. So I think McLean, uh, or uh, excuse me, Robinson is certainly somebody that 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 Kelly knows something about, and should have a good idea how best to fit him into. You know, Kelly comes to Boulder and clearly, clearly, even with what we talked about in the safety room, does not have the talent in the secondary here that he had in Tuscaloosa. Okay, yeah. so so he's going to use Robinson in different ways here than he would have down there. So uh, it will be interesting to see what he does with him. But I think also, you know, again, having um, all these various different guys in there gives him – we talked about this with some of the, the other guys uh, up on the front of the defense um, – gives him options and flexibility to do different things on defense. 
Yeah, we were actually talking to Charles Kelly about Demoy Kennedy and Jacquez Robinson because he has that history with those guys from Alabama. And he said exactly kind of what you alluded to there, William, is that they just had studs in front of them. It had nothing to do with it. And Demoy Kennedy was actually starting to play a lot right when he got hurt. Uh, So he said it was a no brainer when he moved to to Colorado to recruit both those guys. So uh, look at Robinson. I mean, he was, uh, you know, a blue chip recruit coming out of high school and, and yeah, spent three years at Alabama. So you, you like the, the pedigree that he has there part of a really big crop of Florida natives that that have uh, invaded Boulder, Colorado this summer. Well, it's like, it's like we talked about with Savelle Smalls at the edge position. People write him off because he didn't play at Washington. Come on, man. Get out of here with that crap. It's not like he didn't play here. He didn't play but because he was playing behind two NFL draft picks at Washington. You know, so same thing with Robinson. He, he goes down to, to Tuscaloosa, and he's behind some five-star NFL draft pick kind of guys himself there. You get him up here, and let's see what they do now, now that yeah. they're the, the, the front guy and see if they live up to that, that sort of standing. Let's move a little closer to the line of scrimmage here, William. At 16 is edge Derek McClendon, the second, the second highest ranked edge player on this year's countdown and uh, has played a lot of football at Florida State, 38 games, seven sacks. And, you know, some of these power five transfers that are come into Colorado's program were kind of on the cusp of being a starter or reserve at their previous spot. McClendon was a, a straight up starter at Florida state last year, started 12 games. And it's curious. He, he has probably the, maybe the widest spread of votes in our thing. Cause you had him at seven. I had him at 16 and Brian had him at 33. So he kind of all over the board with the three of us, but yeah, I, mean, I, I think he's uh, certainly, you know, uh, he's another one who has proven it in a top conference at a top school. Um, and I think where he, 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 he is, would be, be one of those top edge players that we're looking at. He can rush the passer. He can drop out into the flats. He can, he can, he can drop into pass coverage and play the run. And so I think Derek McClendon is, uh, certainly somebody on the edge that's been better than anything we've had on the edge at CU in a few years. So I'm really looking forward to what he does. I think he's exciting, um, for a variety of reasons. And, and uh, I don't think people think of him as a pass rusher, but maybe they should. So uh, I I'm very excited about him out there. He's a character too. He's a, he's one of those guys that is always showing up in the behind the scenes videos with in flashing his smile. And he did well this summer getting acclimated. He got a single digit number. He's going to be wearing number nine for CU this fall. Uh, we'll, we'll get into the highest ranked edge on our group here in a, in a bit, but uh, the fact that McClendon isn't the the top ranked edge on this countdown again goes to show you right. how much better the talent is at CU right now. Yeah, and, and he, you know, he's six four two sixty with twitch. I mean, he he can really move and got that first step. He's got that kind of size athleticism combination that we haven't seen. You know, maybe in fifteen years, Jimmy Gilbert didn't have the size, but he had the athleticism. This guy's got both of those. Yeah, no doubt. All right, let's move to the other side of the ball here, William. And uh, we've got you've got a little run of offensive linemen, so I know you're going to be excited about this. Uh, Fifteen is offensive tackle Savion Washington, six eight three twenty. William, I mentioned this before. My first impression during the open practice in spring ball was walking in to the indoor practice facility, and right there was Savion Washington, and it was like wow. That yeah. is a massive human being. And that, and that reminds me of year, you know, 
way back in the dawn of time, free history when I was still uh, playing and working for CU football. And uh, back then they used to have in the spring, the varsity alumni game and they'd bring all those, you know, back then there were so many NFL alums, they'd bring them all back. And I came walking around a corner and I walked into a wall that turned out to be Stan Brock, who at the time was, was an all pro offensive yeah. tackle for the saints. And, and he was six, seven, three, ten, And it was just the big, I just sort of stopped. I think I probably looked at him like, like I was an idiot. And, and I was like, he was the most ginormous human being I had ever seen in my whole doggone life. And he just made all of our current offensive linemen at the time look like kids. So I, I know what you mean when you, when you walk and you see that kind of a guy, he's just a physical specimen and it's nuts, you know, but I think I teased on our last show that I was going to have a bone to pick with you about your ranking of the offensive tackles. So uh, let, let's have at it. Cause uh, I, I think you're off the wall, off the, off the, uh, uh, <laughs> off the meds here on your, on your rankings of these two offensive tackles. Okay. Fair enough. Thanks for calling me out. Uh, <laughs> and I think I, I like Savion Washington. Um, He's a, he's another one that's interesting in the rankings that you you had him twenty seventh I had him at twenty and then uh, Brian had him at eight so we're again yeah we're kind of well there was a point during spring ball when Jake Wiley was running with the first team at right tackle so that that went a little bit into my ranking here um, I do have high hopes for Savion Washington I just don't think he's to that top tier in terms of talent on, on this football team and I, I could be proven wrong I mean you look at it he had a substantially better grade from pro football focus last year at Kent state than any of CU's offense alignment did last year. I, I don't know how much stock you put into that. I mean, those PFF rankings are really tough, especially with the old lineman. Cause you don't know what their responsibility is on the play. Right. Um, but, you know, I think if I was going to counter my own stance in, in terms of ranking him at 27th, it would be that he does have familiarity with, with Sean Lewis's system and Bill O'Boyle's coaching, and, and that's going to help, I think. I just – I'm not quite sure that Savion Washington is like an all-conference type candidate at this point. Well, I look at him and I think, you know, I've never been a big believer in the, in the pro football focus rankings because I don't believe that they do the film work because I, it used to take me a couple of days, hours and hours of days to grade one game of each guy that I had five, six, seven guys. I have a hard time believing they have enough people to know what they're doing to look at all those things. But uh, watching what I've seen of uh, Savion Washington playing for Kent state and seeing what I've seen of him here, he's just a massive human being who moves really well at six, you know, six eight, and got ridiculously long arms, and he moves well laterally in both directions. And I think the fact that that he knows this offense inside and out uh, is going to make a huge difference. And and um, uh, I I just think that he's a next level candidate type of player, um, and uh, I think he's going to show it against this level of of you know outside linebacker and and defensive ends that he can handle those guys. You know, the, the question mark for him is going to be the athleticism. Can he handle the outside speed rush? Um, and I think he'll be able to do it. I think he's got the technique and I think he's got the long arms that maybe make up for not quite maybe having the, the, the quickness that, that uh, Lichtenhan has, but uh, I do think he's going to be one of the top tackles in this conference. You mentioned the alumni game from back in the day. Was that done like in place of the spring game? When did y'all have the alumni game? Well, it was, yeah, that was the spring game. And then I think, I think they stopped doing it 
I mean, they were doing it up, I think, through the second or third year of McCartney's time here. And then, okay. you know, I think there was liability issues. And then, I mean, yeah, and, it's probably yeah. can't be safe for a bunch of guys that, yeah. well, uh, you know, haven't gone through, uh, you know, a strength and conditioning program yeah. to go out there. And, and, and the guys in the NFL couldn't play, obviously. And 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 then the other, some of the other guys are, you know, you'd go from like one year the, the Cohn brothers who had just played the year before were playing and they were, they were a couple of cards. They were funny, but uh, then you'd have some guys like, uh, you clearly do not need to be on a football field right now, but it, it was fun, you know, and then <laughs> did the alumni ever like challenge or win, win the game? Uh, I think one of those years, you know, early on, you know, it took, it took coach Mac a while to turn things around. I think early on they, 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 they were actually in it a little bit and then, okay. and then one year he did it. And then he had an actual, uh, pl- player inter squad scrimmage thing a week after or a week before or something like that. So it was yeah. kind of went both ways, but it was fun because a lot of those, so, so I remember being on the sidelines and all those NFL guys would be standing behind us on the sidelines, you know, that had, and, I, and I remember being split up into teams and, and I can remember some of those NFL guys looking out there and going, man, none of these guys would play for us. <laughs> I'm like, uh, standing right here, man, I can hear you standing right here. <laughs> we're, we're, yeah. We're, we're staying off topic here, but yeah, I would love it if the NCAA or whoever's the governing body for college football in the future allows an actual game to take place in the spring. How cool would it be like if you could play your yeah. in-state rival right. um, in, in yeah. April, you know, yeah. talk about, you know, television revenue that that could create. Right. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, thinking back to what that memory that I had is that people, people, a lot of people on the board, you know, they don't realize that we finished third in the country in the seventies one year, you know, we, we were a really good program. And so it wasn't just the McCartney era that CU football was really good. So at that time in early, early and mid eighties, you know, we had a lot of alums playing in the NFL and such, such like that. So uh, yeah, and it'd be, a, it would be a lot of fun, but I, I you know, I, I, I'm not sure the coaches would enjoy it so much. I guess it would be tough too, in terms of like depth. Sometimes you have depth yeah. issues in the spring cause you haven't got your, freshman on campus yet right and i and i think uh you know you know you got to get game plan for a csu or whatever and you know you sort of see the animosity between the two programs when they play in a regular season so i think there, there's there's issues with it and i don't think the coaches would go for it okay they, they don't need that coach prime would he is he's been on the record of, as far as saying that he wishes yeah. they were allowed to scrimmage other teams to kind of get a gauge for who they are i liked that he admitted that sometimes you just don't know until you go up against another team right. that uh, and we've seen that. And we've, we've been fooled by CU teams right. in the past that, uh, you know, certain positions look good because they're playing against just an awful unit. And until right. you get into the right. season, you just don't know. Right. Right. He's a different breed of cat though. And so he, he as, as you see from some of the other coaches comments about him, uh, he, he sees things in a whole different way, but I, I see, I see your point. And, um, you know, like going back to Savion Washington, it'd be interesting to see him go against some of these guys. And, but that that being said, I don't know that like if we were playing a CSU, they don't have anybody on the edge that can challenge him. Let's go back into the countdown here. William at number 14 is offensive lineman Tyler Brown. We were really similar with our votes here. I had him at 16th. You had him at 15th and Brian at 18th. A top, top 15 guy, it seems like this is deserved. You know, he was oh, yeah. a, a first team FCS All American last year. Well, and I look at him and I think, you know, I, I love what uh, 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 Coach O'Boyle had to say about him that he did, that he's got caveman technique and caveman strength. Uh, 
Yeah. And you see, he he's clearly, clearly the hardest working guy in every one of those videos we've seen, you know, and that's saying something because there ain't anybody dogging in those videos and he's, he's, you know, sweat soaked and working his tail off and um, got to go to that offensive line camp this summer. And, and to me, he, he, he's Andre Giroud, man, you know, just without the refinement, you know, Andre Giroud being a 10 year NFL all pro and uh, uh, unanimous all American, I think, but I think he's got that same size and ability. He just has to refine his technique. Uh, and I think he'll do that uh, under Bill O'Boyle. I think he's going to be real special. I, I I'll, I'll say it right here. Tyler Brown's getting drafted if he doesn't get injured. Um, you know, I'm not going to say how high, but, uh, he's one of those guys that that'd be a difference maker at the next level for 10 years. Cause he's just got everything you need. And we talked about a little bit in our last podcast. I know, uh, the difficulty in evaluating whether a guy has the heart and the work ethic. Well, you don't got to evaluate anything with this guy because he's got it. Yeah. Um, and you know, when coach O'Boyle tells him, well, your technique is not there, he's going to do the work to get it there. And I think we're going to see him do very special things. And and the other thing that really jumped out to me in spring was he and Lichtenhan, they really got chemistry together uh, on that left side. And and, and you saw it it was no accident that a lot of big plays came through that guard tackle gap in those spring scrimmages because those two guys are playing very well together. So I'm very excited about Tyler Brown. I, I believe he'll be one of the best offensive linemen in this conference. When you talk about him being a draft pick, are you saying in a couple of years, or do you think he's so good that uh, he's only going to play one year in Boulder before moving on? Because well, he does I, have two years of eligibility. Yeah, right? you know who knows. I mean, I I don't know. I, I you know if a guy plays well enough and the NFL says, hey, we'll take him in the top two rounds, you probably got to go, right? So we'll see what he does this season. Um, I guess I was kind of thinking he'd be here a couple of years. Yeah, probably to refine that technique and really learn the game. But this is why the transfer portal and one-time transfer exemption is great. You, you, Tyler Brown, you look at him kind of under the radar, goes to Louisiana, transfers to Jackson State. And, and finally, because of that work ethic that you so eloquently described, right. has gotten himself to be an FCS All-American. It's great that he gets to now transfer without penalty. Right. This, this That's why that rule was made. There's right. you know a lot of guys that uh, – you know, are transferring a bunch of times and it just looks bad for the sports. But Tyler Brown, you got to be really excited for him to have this opportunity. And and not just the work ethic, but he's just a massive human being. And he's just like, I love that one picture where, you know, they got the, the one-on-one tug of war with the harness and, yeah. and, and, and he's down there and, and, and somebody's at ground level and you see this, I mean, he's got shoulders that are as big as mountains and, and he's just this ginormous human being curly. He did it, it, it. He had no problem being down low at that level. And he, he's just an exciting prospect to me. Um, he's got the length in his arms to go along with the size. And, and I just really think that he's going to steamroll some people this yeah. year. Yeah. Six, three, three, 10. Like you said, that's what an offensive guard's supposed to look like. Right. Is Tyler right. Brown. Right. That's the prototype. You know, that's like you, you know, talk about like you look at that that picture and you look at he's the guy getting off the bus you want. And I said it's like now Andre Giroud was a different kind of guy. He looked like those Alabama offensive linemen where he was six five, just kind of enveloped you like a cloud, you know, like six five, two, three thirty. And but I think and 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 Tyler Brown is a more and they're gonna sound funny, slim. He's a slim, he's a slim of three ten as I've ever seen, because if there's body fat on that kid, 
I don't see it. Yeah. <laughs> Sticking with the O-line, up to 13 is center Van Wells. This is the third offensive lineman in a row here. Yeah. Like I said, uh, you're going to enjoy this. So Van Wells' nickname is Bam. So we, we just talked about Tyler Brown. He's the rock. Uh, Jared Christian Lichtenham, we'll get to him. He's Tank. You get some some fun short nicknames on, on that O-line. Rock, Tank, and Bam. Rock tank bam. Yeah. It's like, well, you know, you got to use small. I was going to say we're going to use small, small words for offensive linemen, but frankly, offensive linemen are usually the smartest guys on the team. You got to use small words for the defensive linemen. This is what I always say. Uh, you know, like, huh? What? And I'll tell you a little story. When I was coaching defensive line one year, and I, and I had a kid who'd been a starter for me for for a full season. We we're going into the start of the second season that he was my starting defensive tackle, and I'm diagramming up on the board. I said, any questions? And he raised his hands. And he says, Coach, what? And I, I, I'm going to take it for granted. People know what I mean when I say diagram and you, you, you know, X's and O's and yeah. arrows. And he says, what, is that, what do those arrows mean? <laughs> and there was a moment of silence. And then all the other defensive linemen just busted out laughing. It's like, <laughs> oh my God, I love this kid, but he's the dumbest guy I've ever met. Oh my God. <laughs> Like, whatever, whatever you were getting paid for that coaching gig, it, it wasn't enough, it sounds I like. Said, I said, Tim, how the heck did you know what to do without understanding what I was putting up on the board? He said, well, I don't know. You show me on the field, coach. I was like, okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Everybody, here's what it means. But anyway, I digress. Van Wells, <clears throat> Van Wells is kind of the opposite of what Tyler Brown is, that he's not the massive human being. Um, but he's a technician and he's athletic and he's got length and, and uh, curiously enough, Van, Van Wells is really kind of exactly what the NFL is doing with centers where centers are not the massive guys that they put at the guards, but they're smaller and shorter and, and, um, and they have, uh, uh, tend to be much more athletic and they be, get underneath those big six, two, 320 pound defensive tackles and, and use their hands. But Van Wells to me really and again, this may sound intuitive, looks like an NFL center. And I remember going to practices um, when uh, Daniel, Daniel, um, oh my goodness. Munier? Still, Munier. Dan Munier mm -hmm. was the center at the U and thinking, man, he's so little. I mean, he's shorter than I am. Um, and he's been playing the NFL for 10 years at, at 6'2", 300, right? Because that's what they're looking for. And, and Van well, or uh, Van Wells, to me, is that guy. He, he's Dan Munyer all over again. I think he's more athletic than Dan. Um, and so he also, to me, you know, people like about Beebe's going to take his job. I don't think that's going to happen. Now, I look at Beebe in these videos, and that's a thick, massive human being, right? But Van Wells has proven it. Proven it. In eight or nine games last year against Pac-12 competition, uh, Power 5 competition, that he is a very good uh, center. Um, I had him at eight. You had him at 20. And, and Brian had him at 14. But I think Van Wells is is is, is going to be one of the top centers in the conference this year. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be honest. I don't know who's going to start there between Landon BBU said that you expect Van Wells to hang on to that starting job. And it makes sense if that's your belief that you would have him at, at eighth on your list because he is a really good player. I mean, this was, a, I think, a freshman All-American last year, right. right? I mean, I don't know how many true freshmen were playing center in college football, so maybe there weren't a lot of guys to choose from for that list. But, uh, yeah, he, he played pretty well 
in about 400 snaps as a true freshman. So you got to be excited about his future. But I just don't know if there's a lot separating him in Landon BB going into camp. BB's you know got more experience, even though it's not at the Power Five level. He's uh, a senior and has been around the college game longer. So I yeah. I think that's I think that's a coin toss type yeah. position battle going into camp, and maybe uh, one of the most intriguing position battles that's set to take place. Yeah, and I think BB's got the experience, and he's certainly got that. It, it, people don't understand the difference it makes physically, the three-year difference in age at that age, okay? So BB's three years older than him. And, you know, for most the average male, they really don't start hitting their physical peak and prime until 24, 25, 26, and the testosterone really starts to kick in. And so that three years is a massive difference. And he's got three years of experience playing the game. Plus, you know, he's got that, I I have to do it this year or it ends sort of desperation. You know, if he doesn't do it this year, he ain't playing at the next level. So there's an added edge there. But that being said, Van Wells is just a superior talent um, and has everything that you want you know, in an NFL center, he just lacks the experience. So this is, this is going to be the, you know, maybe, maybe it's Carmine McLean versus Jacquez Robinson, right? Where one guy's got the unquestionable top level talent, but the other guy's got the experience and the size or whatever. So again, we as fans win either way, yeah. either way, right? Because let the best guy start, and I'm not, you know, pushing Van Wells and saying I'd rather have him start. I'm just saying let the best man start, and it's my belief that Wells has the higher ceiling. Maybe BB's here right now, but five years from now, Wells is going to be up there. Yeah. Um, and either way you look at it right now, it's a win for us. Obviously, you want to get your best five offense linemen out there. I think at this point, we're projecting Savion Washington, Jared Christian, Lichtenhan, and Tyler Brown to be three of those guys. Yeah. Center, like we just talked about, that that's up in the air. What in right guard could potentially be up in the air as well. You've got Jack Wilty and Jack Bailey, but what if Landon Beebe and Van Wells prove you know that they're among the five best offense linemen? Who would be more likely to move to guard? Would it be Beebe? Well, I think BB because he's got that thickness and the strength. But I got to tell you, short of injury, nobody's beaten. Nobody that I see on this team is beaten out wealthy. Okay, I mean that he he's massive and and huge and got the talent. Uh, there's no, you know, Bailey's significantly smaller and and well, frankly, they're all smaller than wealthy. He's a huge, huge individual himself. So again, I think it. You know, sometimes you're you're you saw pretty good chemistry amongst those five guys in the spring, and so sometimes your best five is not your best five talented guys it's the guys that work best together so oh boyle's got to figure that out with these guys who, who makes the team run who makes the line run best again i always go back to that 2001 and that offensive line didn't work until lucier started at center yeah well it's been a minute since we talked about an offensive skill guy william and and at yeah. number 12 we get to do that running back savion wilkerson comes in uh we all had him in in the top 20 i had him at 11 you had him at 12 and Brian at 19, another lightly recruited player out of high school. He's from Maryland initially, goes to Delaware State, plays in 15 games there, and then goes to Jackson State where he was a first team all-conference selection last year. Uh, put up big numbers last year, 1,312 yards of offense, 10 touchdowns. Uh, what are your expectations for Savion Wilkerson? 
Well, I love him. I, I'm super excited about uh, him as a player, and I think he brings the, the combination of size and, and athleticism, and and got a, you know the ability to make people miss, the ability to run people over, and and uh, you know he's sort of the forgotten guy with Alton McCaskill, and and um, you know maybe to some extent, except some degree, smoke as well. I think Wilkerson's the kind of guy that's forgotten, and I think he's going to make people remember. Uh, because I do think he has really kind of got some ex- superior skills and he's proven that at the college level again, you know, not power five, but uh, nevertheless, uh, you know, he's played for coach prime and, and Co- uh, coach flea is coach flea, right. Is running back. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of funny. we got, we got bam and tank and uh, uh, rock. And then we got flea, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I'm super excited about Wilkerson. And I think he brings everything you need to the running back game. Um, and uh, really going to improve that that running back room. It was interesting. He didn't even announce his transfer to Colorado. He just showed up, yeah. got cleared, and started just popping up on videos. And everybody's like, "Wait, is that Savion Wilkerson?" <laughs> it, it was. Uh, he definitely didn't play up his recruitment the way most guys like to, you know, right. uh, create some drama and some, uh, you know, suspense leading up to their decision. Right. And, 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 you know, it was, I, I just love that, frankly, you know, that he's got the confidence in himself to just show up and not have to be celebrated and all that kind of stuff. And, and um, I, I think he's just going to be a guy, if nothing else, he's going to push uh, uh, those other guys to be better just to keep, just to be able to get on the field ahead of him. Yeah. He's listed at five, nine, two Oh four. That's a pretty compact running back right yeah. there. Yeah. That, that's a, that's, that's a Volkswagen. <laughs> you know, uh, it, 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 as a lot, li- li- you know, like your linebackers these days, six, two, six, three, you better get, you better bend the knees and get low to tackle that guy or he'll put a helmet right in your, in your uh, navel and knock you on your backside. What is Alden McCaskill the fourth then? Is he a, a Mercedes? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, maybe I'm trying to think like, a uh, uh, being not not the car buff that I think I I know what I'm thinking about but uh, I can't remember the brand name but yeah one of one of those was he's like a he's like one of those um uh sleek black things uh an Audi maybe one of those okay. high end Audis he's definitely a high end we'll we'll talk more about him uh here later in the countdown at number eleven is linebacker Demoy Kennedy another guy that we had similarly ranked I had him at fifteen and you and Brian at thirteen. He's uh it sounds like he's recovered from that torn ACL that, that he suffered last October. You know, that was the the big concern with him coming in was just it was he gonna be healthy, but he proved to be Colorado's fastest defensive player like they expected him to be during summer testing. Yeah, his numbers were kind of nuts uh in terms of his ability to run. Uh, you know, at six three, two twenty or so. Uh uh, just kind of nuts. I mean, that, that, and, and it, I guess it just goes to show you the kind of talent that's sitting on the bench at Alabama, you know, that a guy that can yeah. run like this at his size uh, was, was not being a starter, but uh, he's going to kind of, you know, we, who do you compare him to that CU's had recently, right? I mean, Kenneth Oleg Bodie, except he couldn't run like that. Uh, uh, I would say uh, Davion Taylor would be oh, oh, the right, closest right, right. comparison I, I would have for him just from a speed yeah. standpoint. But I think uh, Kennedy's much more refined as a linebacker um, than, than Taylor was, who was very new to the game. So uh, I think right off the bat, Kennedy's another guy that, that, you know, you put him you put him with Bailey and you got you got a thumper and a runner, you know. Um, 
at those two inside linebacker spots. And I think you probably use uh, 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 the one um, a, a, as more your Mike type guy and Kennedy's more your, your run of the sidelines guy. Yeah. Yeah. His position coach, Andre Hart said that he's going to be electric. These coaches are not trying to dial back the the hype with Demoy Kennedy. He's when, when you talk to people off the record around the program, I mean, his name comes up. Uh, about as much as anybody's does. And, and Charles Kelly was uh, raving about him at media day last week. So uh, I'm really excited to see him out there. Um, and, and I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. Davion Taylor had the speed, but he wasn't like you kind of pointed out, he wasn't that natural sideline to sideline guy, right. you know, he didn't understand the game, frankly, not his fault. He just hadn't grown up with it that way. But I, yeah. I just, I just smiling to myself thinking about it. here's all, all these offensive coordinators in the pac 12, they're in for a little bit of a shock because they're used to like, hey, let's let's you know, quarterback, look for the tight end, and 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 the and the, and the Colorado linebacker will be three steps behind him. Not anymore, pal. Not anymore. So yeah. you know, you're we're gonna get some we're gonna get some big plays and some interceptions in in conference this year because they don't understand that this is not your last few years of linebackers at CU. We've got some guys that could flat out run. All right, well, we're going to break there and come back and have another Buff Stampede Radio breaking down the top 10. You're not going to want to miss that show, William. There's going to be a lot of excitement in our voice as we close out this countdown. Yeah, but I think we're, we're you know, this top 10 is the is far and away the best top 10. I mean, I think you got to go back to probably the mid-90s or uh, maybe 2001 to get a top 10 like we got that we're going to talk about here. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah. All right. We'll be back with the final 10 guys on the top offs countdown. Thanks for tuning in to this show as always.